Well, good morning, everybody. Oh, you can do better than that. Yeah, it's good to see you this morning. I hope you're happy to be here. I am happy to be here. Carolyn and I, over the last couple of weeks, we were using sort of our remaining vacation. And uh, the closer we get to the end of the year, the harder it is to do that as we come into some critical seasons for the Salvation Army and in the life of the church. But we were thankful for the opportunity we had over these last couple of weeks to come away and, and to use those holidays. And it was a very restful holiday. So thank you for allowing us the, the space to do that. Um, we didn't go anywhere or do anything. I mean, the kids are in school and all the rest, but it was just an opportunity to, to come away and, and really just rest and be rejuvenated. Uh, and so thank you for that. Thank you to Nathan and Jacob who uh, broke open God's word while we were away. They both spoke very well, delivered meaningful words, relevant words, and uh, so we're thankful uh, to those gentlemen for breaking open scripture as we've been away. Now today, we begin what I think is an exciting series of teaching for the next four weeks that will lead us into the Advent season. Can you imagine? Advent, four weeks away. <laughs> I know. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. But for now... This series is one, I'm excited about this series too, because it's one that I've entitled Reimagine. And it's my hope that over these next four weeks, and really beyond, that we'll give consideration to how we understand our place and our role as the church in this day and age. Specifically, I hope that we will take this as an opportunity to reimagine or imagine again. Not that we got it wrong, but an opportunity to imagine again and anew what God wants to do, how we live out our faith daily, and how we seek to be a relevant and meaningful, godly presence in our world. And this series is born out of some of my own personal reflection and conviction and, and really out of a desire for us here at Northridge as God's church to flourish and to grow and to make kingdom impact in our world. One of my greatest burdens, I guess, as a pastor, something that, that cuts my heart deeply, is when I speak to people who, who don't know Christ, who are not Christian, and I talk to them about church, and they say, well, it's irrelevant or it doesn't mean anything, or it doesn't make a difference. It cuts my heart even more when I speak to people who profess to know Christ and proclaim that church is irrelevant. And that cuts me deeply because I know that that's not what church is meant to be. That that's not what church is. I know it to be different. And I always sort of respond. My jerk reaction or my, my quick reaction is, is to say, well, you're misunderstanding what church is, right? You, you're missing the point. You, you don't really know what church is. And so I've been thinking about that because I've had that conversation. I've got people in my life that I have that conversation with regularly. But as I was reflecting on that, I sort of came to this realization that if people like that hold the perception that church is irrelevant, 
then they must have obviously had some interaction with the church and found it to be irrelevant. I think that's why it hurts me so much. And so I think it's important to to ask ourselves as members of the body of Christ, as the church, did we contribute to that for them? It's a hard question to reflect on, hey? But it's so important. Did we contribute to that attitude? Are we really earnestly and honestly living out what it means to be a member of the body of Christ? Not only on Sundays when we're here, but each and every day. Are we living, in our, are we living out our faith as members of Northridge Community Church, as members of the body of Christ, in a way that points others to Jesus? And so that's what I want to talk about. And that's what this series is all about. By looking to Scripture, we'll we'll learn and we'll explore how God calls us to live out our faith in a way that points Jesus, or points them, a desperate world, to Jesus. Sound good? That's what we're in for. And I can get excited about that because that's our mission. And I love it. So I want us to look up Hebrews Chapter 10. So if you've got your Bible or you use it on an app, it'll be on the screen as well. But I I profess and I hold that there's something special about holding the Word of God. But we're going to read it here. Hebrews 10, verse 19. Thanks, Robin, for doing that for us a bit earlier. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. And so in this passage, the writer to the Hebrews here, he gives us some invitations. And they are invitations to really... um, live out what God is calling us to be, both as members of the body of Christ and how we interact with one another, but then that's extended into how we live out that faith. And this first call comes in our passage, draw near to God. That's what the NIV says. The passage we read is from the New Living Translation. It says, let us go right in to the presence of God. But it gives us this imagery of of coming close to God, of intentionally being in his presence and seeking to dwell, to draw near. And maybe you read that and when you go, of course, we're the church. We have to draw near to God. Why are we doing this? Why are we talking about this right now? Why does this matter? But it does. And so in context of the Bible, in this letter to the Hebrews, the idea of drawing near to God for that first-generation church of Christ was huge. That was a game-changer. Since the beginning of time, God was and is holy, and that meant separate. That meant that not just anybody could go into his presence. And in fact, you'll see here, the temple was designed in such a way 
that people couldn't just enter the physical presence and space of where God was. The outer courts were there. You can see the very outer courts. That's sort of where those who weren't Jewish could go. Then inside of that, there was sort of a place where, I don't want to say it like this, but it's the reality. The women were sort of outside, and then the men were inside of that. It was the culture in the day and age. We don't believe that. You're welcome here. (laughs) Okay? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, right? Yeah, okay. So that's how it was. And then inside, so there's all these sort of chambers and courts. And as you get closer to the Holy of Holies, which is the central part, that is the representation of of God's presence. It's where the Ark of the Covenant was. It was where uh, God dwelt. It was the holy place inside the temple. And you couldn't get in there. In fact, the only person who could get in there was the high priest. And he would only do it once a year. Because you couldn't just go freely into the presence of God. The idea of entering, of drawing near to the presence of God caused such reverent fear that the high priest, before he went in there, he'd tie a rope around his leg so that if he died inside, they could pull him out. That's what we're dealing with here, right? And that's the culture that they knew. And the writer to the Hebrews writes to a, a, a Jewish audience, someone who would know scriptures, who would know how this works. Coming into God's presence, drawing near to God before Jesus, it wasn't something offered freely. But in this passage here, the writer reminds his readers that that's no longer the way. Because of who Jesus is and what he has done, we are invited into God's presence. We can come before him boldly, Scripture says. Verse 20 explicitly calls it a new and life-giving way. And it's wonderful. And it is a call that extends to us today. As a church, we are invited to draw near to God. And so, how often do we take the opportunity to do that? How often do we take that invitation personally? How do we respond to God's continued invitation to draw near to Him? It's become a bit of an old-fashioned sort of question. I think it's one that still holds true. When was the last time someone said, how's your soul? Right? Meaning, how's your walk with Christ? How are you doing spiritually? How are you drawing near to God? What does your spiritual life look like? And how are you growing? How healthy are you? How's your, how's your soul? And it's a deep question. But it's one that that really matters because that is God's desire for us. It is foundational to everything else in our lives. We can't consider how we treat one another. We can't consider how we live out our faith if we don't first consider how we live out a relationship 
with God through Christ. God's desire is that we know him and love him and live in relationship with him through Jesus Christ. And in drawing near to him, we so much more better understand the call to go out and to live out God's love, the love we experience, to live that out to those around us. And Northridge, if we are to grow into the vision that God already has, God has a plan. Amen? Like, he does. God has a plan for us here. He already does. He's not figuring this out. He knows where he wants us to be and do and grow. And if we're to live into that, if we are to truly be a positive and transforming influence, if we are to move forward in love and mission, then we, each one of us, has to be deeply rooted and flourishing in our personal relationship with God. We have to take ownership of that. That's done through reading and studying his word by spending time in prayer, both alone with him in personal sacred moments and in bigger groups, spending time in prayer as a church. Coincidentally, we'll announce it at the end, but there's an opportunity to do just that this evening as we gather for a corporate night of prayer. It's an opportunity for you to grow in your walk. So, let us draw near to God. And let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. The NIV translation says it like this, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And so, let's reflect on this for a moment. Do we live in a way that reflects the hope of God in our lives? Do we trust him in all circumstances? How does our faith impact our lives and the lives of those around us? Maybe to help you think about it, what would my life look like except for Jesus? Part of of holding unswervingly onto hope means relying on God's word as truth. In our doctrine as a church, as a Salvation Army, we profess it and phrase it that God's word is the divine rule of Christian faith and practice. It's the guide we have which reveals God's desire for us to live. It's the vessel often through which he chooses to speak. And so it means that we look to scripture to learn how to live It means seeking to interpret his word and to apply it to our lives. A couple of weeks ago, Nathan spoke on this very topic, about the importance of Scripture and how important it is to allow God's word to to infiltrate and influence our very being, recognizing that God is faithful, even when it's hard, or challenging, or when the teachings run counter to culture. But that's not all that holding tightly to hope means. I'm going to take the opportunity here to share, and I hope I'm not overstepping. I didn't ask permission for this, but I felt so moved 
I can't help but share. Yesterday, I was blessed to spend some time with Peter and Kathy Chatterton. And I know they're watching online, and so I hope this is okay. I know they can't be here in person. And I know, too, that some of you have journeyed with Peter and Kathy over these number of years, facing some very challenging health concerns. And they come to mind for me today as I reflect on these verses. Because as I shared with them yesterday, it was just so blatantly obvious that they are holding unswervingly to the hope they know in Christ. Even as they face some very, very difficult and challenging health circumstances. They both continually give God thanks over and over. They would thank God for his goodness and his provision, for his faithfulness and his love. It was so humbling for me to be there while the nurse was administering care in their home and to hear him say, God is good. Let us hold unswervingly, right? Unswervingly to the hope that we profess for he whose promised is faithful. Let us draw near to God. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess because God is faithful. And let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And the call here for us, for the church to consider, to, is to consider, is to notice, to pay attention to, to, to be creative, to imagine, to reimagine how we might be of service to one another, how we might encourage, how we might act out of love to make a difference. And this is where the church, where the body of believers, particularly for us, I think, here at Northridge, where we can shine as a light. I am a firm believer that if we are to grow and flourish and live into the vision that God has for us, it will be rooted in how we collectively and personally choose to live out love. I think that's the way forward. How we do that, rooted in mission. I, and I say that because it's what Jesus did. The Gospels are full of instances where Jesus served the people, where he healed, where he fed, where he restored, where he taught. You would be hard-pressed to open any of the Gospels and not see Jesus loving. And so if Jesus did it, as a follower of Jesus... I should be inspired to do the same as far as I am able. Because as much as he healed and fed and all those things, what he really did was give hope. And so, when we serve in his name and speak his name and share his love, we too give hope. 
We've got a wonderful tradition of sharing hope here at Northridge Community Church of the Salvation Army. It's our tagline for Pete's sake, it's the Salvation Army. Giving hope today. We are positioned to excel at this one, quite naturally. We're getting ready now to move into the Christmas season where we are preparing to distribute toy hampers and Christmas assistance to anywhere between 800 and 1,000 families in York Region. Facilitated by our church and our partners as we go. Talk about an opportunity to be a positive, transforming influence. Talk about an opportunity to share the love of Christ and meet need. Those are the three pieces of our mission. What an opportunity we have to do that. Talk about an opportunity not only to provide help for Christmas, but to, but to speak hope into their lives. And so I pray that we would take that call personally from Scripture today as part of His church because I believe that God wants to use you to impact His kingdom. And so I'm going to invite you to come and talk to me about how you can get involved this year, about how the church can help you to live out acts of love and service to those who need to hear it, how we can help you speak hope to people who are desperate. So let us draw near to God. Let us hold unswervingly to hope because God is faithful. Let us motivate one another to acts of love and good work and in verse 25, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, hear me out here. Because this passage has sort of been abused a little bit over the years by church leaders. We're not going to do that. This is not a guilt trip about Sunday morning attendance. That's not what's going on here. Yes, I believe there's huge value in you being part of this worshiping body, and my heart longs to see this place full, not because of it being full, but because of the opportunity that we will have to gather as a group of believers. So there's value in that, yes. But what's going on here in this verse is really about being meaningfully engaged in the life of the body of Christ. This is a call to be connected, to be active and, and involved. And so to think about that, reflect on this. Are you actively involved in worship? How would you answer these? And you can do it personally. How are you actively involved in worship? Not a, not a passive sort of just show up on Sunday and leave and attender, but are you an active part of worshiping? Are you seeking to grow in your faith and in your spiritual walk? Are you seeking teaching to help supplement that? Are you ministering in some way? Are you exercising your spiritual gifts? Are you serving? Are you sharing in Christian fellowship? Because that's what the writer of this passage here in Hebrews is getting at. 
in this verse. See, the church is the body of Christ, and, and members of the body are living and active, inspired by his word. And so following Jesus, we see then, is lived out in relationship and in community. Have you noticed the language that our writer here has been using all along? It's inclusive language. He says, let us, right? Let us draw near. Let us hold on to hope. Let us motivate. Let us meet together. And it's such a disconnect from what we see going on around us. In a world that is increasingly focused on I and me and mine, that is increasingly withdrawn and remote, God says, let us. And follow me here for a second, because I've been thinking a lot about this. As the world is becoming more increasingly individualistic and and self-focused, we can't help but see all those negative repercussions spilling out of that. In 2016, all right, 2016, the New York Times ran a story. And in that story, which is titled How Social Isolation is Killing Us, all right, 2016, they had no idea. We read this, all right? Before all the trauma and challenge of the pandemic, okay? Then they wrote, a wave of new research suggests that social separation is bad for us. Individuals with less social connection have disrupted sleep patterns, have altered immune systems, have more inflammation and higher levels of stress hormones. It goes on to say, one recent study found isolation increases the risk of heart disease by 29% and stroke by 32%. Keeps going and it says loneliness, listen to this now, loneliness can accelerate cognitive decline in older adults. And even goes as far to say, all told, loneliness is as important a risk factor for early death as obesity and smoking. That's huge. And that's from 2016. Like, imagine what those numbers look like now. And so into this space, all right, the church exists. With our social support programming, with fellowship and coffee time, with our weekly gathering, with life groups, with corporate worship, with the community that exists in a place like Northridge. But we're not just a community club, right? We get that. We're not just a social organization. Those are things we do because they allow us to gather in God's presence. They allow us to gather as his church. It provides us an opportunity to draw near to him, to be in his presence, and to share in the hope that we know to be found in Christ. That invitation extends to others. It's a tool, an avenue for the Holy Spirit to work in their lives. This space, our programming, our fellowship, is all ministry, both to us 
and to those outside these doors. And it is an opportunity to be and serve like and speak Jesus into their lives. And it is my prayer that we would consider and imagine again what the church really is called to be in these days. I pray that the Holy Spirit would move in our hearts that we would be responsive to his leading and to his prompting. And so as your pastor, as a friend, as someone who journeys and walks with you as part of this community of faith, let's commit and let's take advantage of each and every opportunity we have to personally live out the invitations extended to us in our scripture passage today. Do you remember what they were? Draw near to God. They're not listed, but you've got to remember them. Draw near to God. Hold unswervingly to hope because God is faithful. Act in love and in service and seek to be actively involved. I want to read it for you one more time. I'll invite our worship team to take their place as I do. This passage this time comes from the Amplified Version. So there's a few extra. What you see in brackets is meant to bring understanding and a little context. Therefore, believers, since we have confidence and full freedom to enter the holy place, the place where God dwells, by means of the blood of Jesus, by this new and living way which he initiated and opened for us through the veil, as in the holy of holies, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great and wonderful priest who rules over the house of God, let us approach God with a true and sincere heart in unqualified assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us seize and hold tightly to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is reliable and trustworthy and faithful to his word. And let us consider thoughtfully how we may encourage one another to love and to do good deeds, not forsaking meeting together as believers for worship and instruction, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more faithfully, as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. As we imagine again how this great call looks on our lives, let's seek him. Let's take advantage of this invitation. And let's remember that God calls us to it and equips us for it. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you today. Recognizing that you provide for us a wonderful invitation to draw near to you to hold on to the hope that we know, to serve in your name and to gather as your church to receive encouragement. So God, I pray that we would each take advantage 
of this invitation. That as we seek to, to know you better, that we too would be seeking to live out that faith in each and every moment of our lives. And God, we know that it's not always easy to do that. We know that there are restraints on time. and We're so busy and there are so many things that would distract us. And, and sharing your word sometimes is hard with those who need to hear it. God, as we hear the tune playing, we are reminded that you are faithful. And so, God, we proclaim your faithfulness day today. We pray that it would move us to live out our love, to truly be your church extended into this world. So, God, move in our hearts and move us to action. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.